You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, episode 64. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progression Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So on the last episode, we talked about our uh, one, our, our three different types. We talked about the classic type of PCOS, which is, if you looked up again in a, in a, in a gynecological textbook, would be, you know, that's what the classic type is. All the different lab values, all the different uh, clinical symptoms. That one is an easy diagnosis, but you know, doesn't happen that often. That's not necessarily as quote unquote, as common as you think it would be. Today, we're going to actually talk about what we feel is the common type. Uh, This one also should be diagnosed fairly easily, but is often not. So since we've been treating patients since 2004, you know, we do all sorts of, you know, treatment for hormones and hormone imbalance. But in particular with PCOS, we found three different types, the classic, which we just talked about in the previous episode or our previous podcast, there's the common and then the concealed. So in this podcast, like Dr. Mackey said, is we're going to talk about the common PCOS that we see, which as he mentioned, it should be diagnosed fairly easily, but because they don't have all the classic symptoms, they tend to fall through the cracks and get misdiagnosed. Yeah. It might take them a while to either to even get a diagnosis, um, but because it's not, you know, the classic textbook definition, uh, that's why it gets a little confusing and probably even a little frustrating because it takes a while for that to get teased out. Yeah. These women with the, the, the common PCOS, these women, they don't have the string of pearls when you do a transvaginal ultrasound. They don't have all the cysts on the ovaries. Now, every once in a while, we're females. We might get a follicular or a common cyst that's normal. We don't even know we have them. But with the common PCOS is they don't have that string of pearls. They might get a ovarian cyst or a complex or hemorrhagic cyst where it bursts and it's painful. And they might get that once every few years, but it's not enough to point to PCOS. So that's why women will just get like, oh, look, you've got a, a cyst. You don't have that string of pearls. And so they get blown off and they might even, because, hey, us ladies, we're on we're online. If we don't feel well, we're trying to find out what's going on. So they might go to their gynecologist and say, I think I have PCOS. And they just get blown off because they don't have those ovarian cysts. Yeah, right. Uh, now, granted, uh, some of the things they might have, of course, from a you know, from a clinical presentation, they certainly can have the weight gain, especially around the middle. You know, that's you know. Now, granted, that it's not enough just on that side. Uh, you might have some hair issues. Again, some of the irritability, some of the anxiety. Certainly, some of the acne problems might tend to show up. And one that needs to be considered if there is any, as we talked about in the last few episodes, if there's trouble getting pregnant. Exactly. So with the common PCOS, they might not have that string of pearls of all those cysts on the ovaries, but they will still have some of the hormonal imbalances creating less ovulation or reduced ovulation. 
But at the same time, the women with the common PCOS usually can get pregnant pretty easily if they do some type of fertility intervention like Clomid, you know, or, or IVF easy, you know, so, so they definitely can get pregnant, but they're going to have reduced ovulation, which would be reduced fertility, which isn't quite like the classic where you know, their fertility is pretty, you know, very reduced that that's definitely something that we hone in on if that's one of their goals. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, the trouble getting pregnant sometimes might even be like their number one complaint. Like they've been trying and trying and trying. Uh, no one's really been able to quite figure it out. I don't, you know, I don't really have a relationship with a fertility doctor specifically, but I don't think they really, uh, address the PCOS portion of it at all. They might give them metformin or something along those lines, but taking a, a very kind of specific approach to the PCOS, they really don't do. Um, that's, you know, that's the void or that's the, the gap in the, in the, uh, in the treatment of PCOS that we, we, that we are trying to fill and help people. Um, so now if they do have to resort to IVF or fertility treatment, they're going to have much more success. And I think it's because those reference ranges, because we did a previous podcast on PCOS um, testing and diagnosis, is those reference ranges, a lot of time the, the common PCOS types will fall in the normal range. They might be the high normal, but it's not enough to flag a, a doc to say, hey, you know what, let's look at this a little bit or put the picture together and look at it a little more comprehensively. Because with the common types, you will see um, high normal androgens. So their DHEA sulfate might be high normal. Their test testosterone might be high normal. It might not be out of the range, but it's enough to say, Hey, you know what? That's kind of a little bit high normal. And then you put together that subjective information. Like you, Dr. Mackey had mentioned the acne, the common types will get cystic acne on the chin and the jaw. Maybe not enough to go running off to Accutane, but enough to say, you know what? This is kind of irritating. So you put that together and say, Hey, you know what? These androgens are, if they're affecting the skin, if those high normal androgens are affecting the hair with the hair loss, it's going to affect other things too. Like you had mentioned with the ovulation and the fertility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If they're, if you're starting to get some of those, and like you said, it might be very subtle, right? But some of those, you know, hirsutism type symptoms are going to start to show up. Uh, and it might just be for the common type, you know, as far as hair growth, uh, it might just be a couple of little dark coarse hairs here or there, not enough to really pay attention. You might be a little irritating. You pluck it out with the tweezers. Uh, it might not be that necessarily, you know, that upsetting. It's not that big of a deal, but it's one of those little, little pieces to the puzzle that, you know, that helps determine what's going on. And, and like Dr. Mackey had mentioned, there is easy weight gain. It's not, you know, it's probably more vanity pounds. So that weight gain isn't putting a tremendous pressure on the heart or on, you know, on the glucose or anything like that. So it's, you know, or on the liver, but it is enough to say, Hey, you know, these common types, they're, you know, they're really trying to main, you know, maintain their weight, but it's really easy to gain, especially you'll see it in the middle, like the stomach maybe a little bit with the hips and the thighs, but definitely the, you know, the stomach first and then the hips and the thighs. Yeah. Uh, now I know you talked the last time you talked about the, uh, FSH LH ratio where in the, in the classic type that, that two to one ratio is going to be there for sure. Right. Their LH is going to be two to one times or pretty close to or uh, more or more to the FSH level. Where do you typically see it in the common type? So you definitely see that luteinizing hormone, the LH higher than the FSH. That's one thing that triggers you that this is a common, but not a classic is it might not be quite that two to one ratio. So like in a classic, you'll see an LH at 14 and an FSH at seven an LH at 21 and an FSH at seven. So you know that LH is two or more times higher than the FSH in a classic type, but in a common type, you'll see it just a little bit like the 
you know, that, that LH might be 10 and then the FSH might be six. So it's not quite double, but it's enough to say, hey, that luteinizing hormone is higher than the FSH. Granted, with the cycle, the LH and the FSH do change. So you don't want to base anything on one minute of one moment of your day on a blood test. You know, you want to collect these tests together and put the information, but you will see that LH a little higher than the FSH. We're typically over the course of a you know, when I say a perfect 28 day cycle is the FSH and LH really should be even, you know, they should be pretty much even Steven. So when you see that LH continuously a little bit higher than the FSH, you, you, you know, that's another piece of the puzzle for us. Yeah. Right. So on the lipid profile, you might see maybe a total cholesterol will be normal, but now their triglycerides will be high normal or maybe right around that 150 mark. Now I, I we like to see triglycerides really about 75 of half yeah. the reference range. hundred or a low yeah. hundred or below if not even lower than that. in some mm-hmm. ways the lower the triglycerides the better uh, but they might not have anything else um, but they might have that uh, that uh, triglyceride level starting to creep up the correlation between insulin and triglycerides is a fairly good correlation so you can assume that's why we pay attention to triglycerides because as their triglyceride level increases we can assume that their insulin resistant level is also increasing at the same time so as we talked about on the last one the classic their insulin is high, you know, and they have these ridiculous reference ranges through the labs, which is sad, but they're like reference range, you know, up to 20 is normal for insulin. Anything over nine or 10 is high. So with somebody with a classic, they're easily going to be close to 20, maybe even over the range in the, you know, in the twenties for the insulin, fasting insulin levels, blood levels. But for the common, you'll see it a little bit higher than you would think, you know, they're their dietary is. Like Dr. Mackey had mentioned, hey, their triglycerides might be a little high normal, but their dietary and lifestyle doesn't really seem to be the marker for that. And sure, there might be some genetics, family genetics for cholesterol, but then you look at the insulin and you think, you know what, they're not eating a lot of carbohydrates or sugars. They're really, you know, working very hard with their diet, but their insulin is like nine to 13, you know, 12 there's, you know, there's going to, that's another, like I said, a piece of the puzzle, another flag to put that together. Yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't come across as being overtly insulin resistant. It's not a 25 or, or higher. Um, but like you said, you're, you said nine to 13. I was thinking like seven to 12, uh, you know, where you're kind of paying attention, certainly when it's in the double digits, maybe not seven, eight or nine, but certainly when that insulin, the fasting insulin gets to be in the double digits, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, um, that is where you, you know, get an idea. And usually at that point when that fasting insulin is in the double digits, those other things are going to start to, um, start to look worse than they should. So it's kind of like, you know, we talked about the classic and they have it all, you know, they have it all. The common is just like one step below. So they're going to have a little higher levels of insulin. They're going to have a little higher normal levels of the androgens. They're going to have a lot of the same symptoms, but not quite as extreme as the classic. So it's definitely like, you know, right in the middle there. And they do have, you will notice that they do have the lower progesterone. So, but they still, you know, might have, might be able to get pregnant, especially with some intervention, but they do have the lower progesterone, but they are cycling pretty much. They have irregular periods. So the common PCOS types do have irregular periods, but they're not so overt as the classic that it jumps out. So they might have five periods in a row and then miss one. They might have longer cycles, like up to 45 days. And then the next one is 33 days. So it's, they're irregular, but they're, like I said, it's not enough to really, you know, stand out. 
Yeah, right. Uh, where, like you said, in the in the classic type, they probably don't have hardly maybe on a yearly basis. They might have two or three periods a year. Uh, you know, you know where this one they might um, just miss a couple over the course of an entire year. They're not going to have twelve, but they might have nine, nine or ten. Uh, you know, just enough to kind of throw things off. Uh, like you said, based on those longer cycles, it might even end up being in a twelve month calendar year. Might even end up being like more, more like nine. Uh, if those cycles are a little bit longer. Yeah, and they'll say, "Hey, I've always been that way. That's my normal to have longer cycles or to have two, three, then miss one, or have five and then miss one." They'll say that's my normal. But to me, which you know, we're all different and we're all unique and that's okay. It's still another, you know, bit of information that we can put, put away and put it all together when we're coming up with our treatment plan. Cause when you're looking at the classic, I mean, first thing you're thinking, we got to make sure this blood pressure isn't going to go crazy. We're going to, we want to make sure they don't develop diabetes type two, or if they already do have it, that we want to try to minimize that as much as possible. You know, there's, there's some, you know, main, you know, some, some definitely some health consequences to having classic PCOS, but it's the same thing with common is they're going to be at a little bit more risk for diabetes type two over time. They're going to be at a little bit more risk for continuously gaining weight, you know, every year, you know, they're, they're going to have risks too. So we definitely want to put that all together so we can figure out, well, how can we balance these hormones so we can get the best effective plan to get them feeling good now, but also preventative for the future. Yeah, right. Uh, which again, uh, as we've talked about a couple of times, it cannot be done with just a prescription. It needs to be, you know, a multifactorial approach, uh, diet, lifestyle, sleep. Sleep is critically important in all three of these types. Uh, stress level is critically important in all three of these types. Uh, so, you know, and we see people all the time, they have really high stress in their lives and they don't sleep very well. Uh, in some ways, you could say that is the reason why they, you know, their hormones are the way they are, just because of, the, of that alone. Not to mention every other factor in America that, you know, that you know leads to these hormonal issues. One other thing that you do see with actually all three types, honestly, is that lower thyroid function, where someone with classic might have, you know complete hypothyroidism, you will see with that common type that they do have lower, lower thyroid function. So we always want to address that as well, because it's pulling in, like we talked about on the previous episode is, Hey, we're pulling in the adrenals. We're pulling in the thyroid function. We're pulling in working on that insulin and glucose and cortisol kind of, you know, I guess that interaction, we want to be upstream and then work on those female hormones downstream. Yeah. And you know, conventionally thyroid is also one of those really controversial things. If your numbers, if your TSH is normal, you know, 0.45 to 4.5, they're not going to address it whatsoever. Um, but in cases like this, it has to be addressed in, at least somehow. So that TSH comes down, that free T3 goes up. Uh, that's the clinical response that we usually want to see. Uh, so if someone has a low normal uh, TSH and a higher normal free T3, that, that's always, always a good place. Perfect. No, exactly. So I think we've uh, I think we've done a, f- a fairly good job of kind of differentiating between the two. This one's just a little bit more subtle than mm-hmm. the classic type. Maybe in some ways, maybe a lot more subtle, um, which is why it is not as diagnosed as often as it should be. Uh, you know, the next episode we are going to talk about what we call the concealed type, as we mentioned. And this one, they kind of struggle for a long time. They go to a lot of doctors, and they you know they have a hard time ever getting any real answers. Uh, if you like more information about our our hormonal approach, you can visit our website, progressionhealth.com. Uh, there, right on the homepage, you can enter your email and get access to our free hormone video course. There, we go through four specific profiles PCOS, 
hypothyroid, perimenopause, menopause, and we have some names and actually based on real patients that we kind of go through um, that kind of help paint a picture of what these different problems look like. Exactly. And it, and it's free. So absolutely, um, you know, free to, to download, just enter in your email and we'll send it over to you. But just, you know, kind of a take home message with this episode is the commons, the common type PCOS, there are enough flags that it will attract attention. You know, there's enough to say, Hey, you know what, the symptoms with the, you know, the high androgen symptoms and some of that blood work, that LH to FSH, that insulin looking, fasting insulin looking a little odd. There are definitely some red flags. So that way, you know, we can help that person. We can develop a treatment plan. It's a concealed that those flags are so quiet that you really have to, you know, you really have to kind of delve in a little deeper to pull that out. Yeah, right. So we're going to discuss that in the next one. Uh, So for this one, uh, um, any, any last uh, thing to add? I think we, I think we did a good job on the, on the common type. Do you have anything else to add? No, this is great. Okay. Uh, Until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.